You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Monday, October 30th, episode 3295, brought to you today by Worm Flooring. Happy almost Halloween, horse people. That's right. It is our annual Halloween episode that we do every year in conjunction with Horse Nation. Spooky stories written by listeners, ride TV winners announced, and the story of the Headless Horseman all coming up on today's special Halloween episode. And then, because that isn't spooky enough in the post-show, we're going to find out your equestrian first world problems, which sometimes are very spooky. So we'll do that in the post-show for auditors. But first, Jamie, I have never been so excited. You're going to be excited, too. (laughs) I wish I was still doing the Finding Florida podcast. If I was still doing the Finding Florida podcast, I would have applied for probably the only press passes that they would hand out. (laughs) Although, I'm thinking this is going to be picked up by ESPN myself, and if they don't, they're idiots. (laughs) So, guess what's coming? What? The Florida Man Games. That's right, the Florida Man Games, February 24th in St. Augustine, probably on the same beach you were married on. Um, So proud. I'm so proud to have been married (laughs) on the beach. They're going to host the Florida Man Games at. Let me read this to you. Watch, compete against friends, and get ready to laugh until it hurts. You're about to dive headfirst into the most insane athletic showdown on Earth, the Florida Man Games, where the events are as unexpected as the headlines that inspired them, where the athletes are, let's just say, unconventionally talented. (laughs) Oh, my God. So what are some of the the Uh, Olympic-type games mm, for Florida men? The first one, of course, is very appropriate. It is the Evading Arrest Obstacle Course. <laughs> Jump over fences through backyards and away from actual police officers to earn your freedom. Apparently, they got the police department to cooperate. And they're having side things at the games, like they're having show and tell where the SWAT uh, trucks and things like that will be there that you can view. Uh, oh, wow. Weaponized pool noodle mud duel. So apparently, okay. you're supposed to kick up your pool noodles and get in the mud and duel. Okay. Uh, Category 5 cash grab. This says subject yourself to Category 5 wins like a hurricane as you scramble to catch as much real cash as you can. (laughs) (laughs) A catalytic converter, two bikes, and a handful of copper pipes race. So apparently you get on a bike and they have it loaded down with catalytic converters and copper pipes and you race other people. Oh my God. Wait, is it like... (laughs) Yes, it's like. Is it you like st- you? You how's yeah? How quick you can like steal a catalytic well, converter? Apparently, it's how fast you can get away with your bike loaded down with catalytic converters and copper pipes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that is crazy. Okay, okay, okay. Good. Beer belly, it. Florida sumo. Dive into the beer belly of the beast as you try and blast your opponent out of the ring. Oh, wow. Uh, and they, they have uh, big-name judges. Do you remember watching the Gladiator show years ago on TV? 
Do you know what's funny is I'm reading these names right now, and the only gladiator that ever rang about was this guy, Nitro. Nitro. That's right. We used to watch it all the time, Nitro, and then they have Lori Ice uh, Fettrick, who is also a judge. So appropriate that they get old gladiators into the judging. Oh, uh, Florida is also known for the land of the mullets. So they're having a mullet contest. Um, oh so, of gosh. course, you know, you would have to have that. And then they're also having a pinup contest for the women because it is Florida and we have beaches and is this like a uh, wet t-shirt contest yes, kind of thing? Kind of thing. What else nice. would it be in Florida? <laughs> nice. Why did we not think of this? Oh my God, this is genius. I, I can't wait to see people <laughs> uh, have to drive on their bike with a hand with copper pipes and <laughs> converters. That's crazy. You would be the first press pass to ever. Okay. Just, you know what? It does. You don't have to have a floor. No, I can apply, just, right? Just apply for the media credential because you're going to have to, you're going to have to go see this. I think I, they're selling tickets now. Tickets are for sale for February 24th. It's uh, for 40, How much are they? 40 some dollars. Um, I think they want to weed out the actual Florida men. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know what? The police are going to be like taking names and making <laughs> notes. Can you imagine? I got to go to this, though. I really do. You have to. You have to go. You <laughs> it's not that far. It's St. Augustine. So, uh, yeah. so Kayla. Kayla would be a perfect one to go. Kayla, you're going along with me to, to this. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Isn't that the best thing you've heard all month? <laughs> that that is that's my favorite thing I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Daily Winnies. We have some of these. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> well, happy birthday to these following auditors, Hannah Reppert, uh, Ian Sally Spickard, who hasn't been on in a while. We'll have to get her back on. Deidre Ryan and Mackenzie Jabali. Happy birthday Jibali. to Jabali. Jabali. Yeah. Just happy keep, birthday. Just move on. Happy birthday to all of you. Also, Auditor Paige uh, posted in our auditor room that she rode her side, horse side saddle for the first time in a fox hunt. She's been practicing for a couple of years. She won the best ladies' traditional turnout and earned her colors, which in fox Yay. hunting means she can be a red coat. So, uh, congratulations. That's a big deal, actually, when you're in your colors in fox hunting. So, well done doing it side saddle. I, I heard some shocking news, um, and I'm not talking to you, Glenn. I'm talking to people listening. So Glenn and I are working on booking a guest for Radiothon, and we, we want to go big or go home, right? So uh, I found out that it's the 40th anniversary. Ugh, it hurts. The 40th anniversary of Farlap being released. Of course, Farlap starred. Tom Burlington, who is also the head lead in The Man from Snowy River, the greatest horse movie of all time. So we've got The Man from Snowy River, and I'm also trying to get Sigrid Thornton, who, who was Jessica in The Man from Snowy River. And um, Glenn, would you like to tell me what I, what you what you said to me this morning? Um, I, I you see you said you've said it before, but I would it would have registered. Okay, oh, I've said it before on the show. Listeners will validate that I've never seen the Man from Snowy River. I have seen Farlap though. Oh, I, all of this time, thirteen years of doing this show, knowing that it is my favorite movie, and also 
I'm desperate to talk and interview Tom Burlington and Sigrid Thornton, the, the, the lead actor and actress in this movie. And just now you tell me before the show, you've never seen it. Never. I mean, I take that as like a personal affront to but the fact again, that you literally I don't Kaylee care Kuko about And me. you wouldn't watch Big Bang Theory. So I've seen pieces of it and it's <laughs> terrible. You haven't even tried. You haven't even tried. Well, if we, got, if we get Snowy. one of those two on, I will. I promise to watch it. No, 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 no. They're not going to come. That's why they haven't come on. It is all My your fault. fault. It's your fault. I bet t- so the 40th anniversary of Farlap is going on. Tom Burlington has to be doing media for this. I mean, there's at least four people who have requested interviews, and I would like to be one of the. I would like to be the fifth. Uh, so <laughs> you have a jump. I can't believe you haven't seen this. Like, I am I'm hurt. Gonna, like, you're going to be doubly hurt. shocked. I'm going to post to put a, do a poll. In the auditor room, you're going to be shocked how many people haven't seen it. I, I, mm, <laughs> I think you're, mm, I think you're wrong. I, how, how all horse checks have seen this movie. So you, and that's the other thing you said is you said that most people haven't seen it. And well, I I'm said like, no. I said most young people haven't seen it because it is forty some years old. It doesn't matter. It transcends <laughs> time, Glenn. It's romance was, was and it horses and, and love and wild and oh. No, it's not in black and white. I'm gonna punch you through this microphone. Uh, do the poll, okay? Do the poll. I'll do the poll today. We'll see what it says. And okay. Here's the deal: if more people have seen it than haven't seen it, that means you and Jennifer are having a movie night. I don't think Jennifer. And you're gonna seen watch it, either, it. To be honest. Oh my God, she's an inventor. She has seen it. Well, she, she might have it. seen it's it maybe before I even met her. Ah. Uh, is she home? No, she's not. Is home. she home right now? <laughs> no, Put her not. on the phone. She's not I gotta home. talk to her. <laughs> she is not home. She just texted me. She's not home. Can you text her and ask her if she's ever seen it right now, please? Okay. While you do the commercial, I'll text. Okay. Okay. Well, today's show is brought to you by our new Monday title sponsor, Worm Flooring Systems. Worm stands for We Eliminate Rubber Mats. Are you tired of dealing, like I was, with nasty, heavy rubber mats? Are you looking for a more durable and easy-to-clean flooring solution for your trailer, barn, commercial, or residential space? Look no further than the Worm Flooring System. Worm Flooring Systems are non-porous, slip-resistant, cushioned, textured, safe, and seamless. They're also durable and they can be driven on with heavy machinery. Worm flooring systems helps reduce shock and fatigue, insulate trailers, and reduce road noise. Visit wormflooring.com to learn more about worm flooring systems and find a dealer near you. That's W-E-R-M flooring.com. Check it out. It's awesome. All right, let's get let's get started with our Halloween show. We're gonna get Deanne on here from Horse Nation. We've been doing this for I don't know what, Jamie, it must be eight years or something. It's been a long time since we started doing the Halloween episode. They ask for listeners and their fans to write stories, and then we pick a couple every year uh, and uh, record them and play them on the show for you. And we have uh, three or four for you today. Uh, And Deanne's going to join us to announce the winners that they picked this year of all the entries. Thank you for joining us, and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you too. Now, are you? Did you go to a Halloween party? Are you going trick or treating with the kids? Or are they too old for that? What's the story? Um, <laughs> let's see. We did a costume contest at the competition I was at this weekend. We're doing okay. Stop there. Ha- stop there. And. 
Did you go and in costume? I, I did, and I didn't win. And I, I think I had a very creative costume. I will have to send you a picture. Yeah, what what'd you do? I my horse, who I her barn name is Mac. We were craft mac and cheese. <laughs> so I put a blue cooler on her with yellow Velcro rollers, and I wore obnoxious blue spandex and a mac and cheese colored shirt. Okay, with you the have to send a picture. <laughs> I will absolutely send a picture. That's funny. What was the most bizarre outfit you saw? Um, so our match director, um, who's notorious for coming up with fabulous, um, costumes. I'm trying to think how tall he is, like maybe a little over six foot and fairly lean. He was, um, Richard Simmons (laughs) with with the shorts, the tube socks, but then he, rather than just like the regular tank top, he made it a crop tank top (laughs) complete with curly wig. (laughs) Richard Simmons, there's a name. Is he still alive? I don't know. And of course, I like kept calling him Gene Simmons because I'm dumb sometimes. And everybody's like, Deanne, Gene Simmons is Kiss. And I'm like, I know that. It's just what comes out. <laughs> Kiss but is Richard a good costume, Simmons too. Has to be a, Richard Simmons has to be alive. He's like the healthiest dude on the planet, right? I mean, all he did was like run around, eat healthy food, work out. It's that. And I get sometimes confused between that. Do you guys remember Slim Goodbody? Oh, by the way, Richard yes. Simmons is alive, 75 years old. I just yes. Googled it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get him and Slim Goodbody are like the, my childhood, like health gurus. And that is. Was he the one that I'm had that TV damaged. show? The Slim Body? Slim Goodbody? Google Slim Goodbody right now. It will okay. haunt you. <laughs> I mean, this is the reason that I am damaged. Is oh, that, that guy. <laughs> He's the one that wore the suit with all the veins and stuff in it. Yes. Yes. You could, like, see his wiener in it. I was like always disturbed. And so those two guys were like the, the, the people that I watched on TV growing up. And this is why I am damaged now. But also I can see how like those two had that lasting effect because they also have like similar hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, confused. Yeah, Throw Pee Wee Herman that. in the mix. And now you've got a trifecta oh, uh-huh. right there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> God rest his soul. He is uh, another one that disturbed me. So it's all good. These were the icons growing up. that and some solid 80s like animals dying in the mud and labyrinth. I just feel like that explains most of our generation. Yeah. Yeah. Artax. I'm never. Oh, God. Uh, Horrible. Every time. Every time. Can't Uh, do it. All right. Let's get back to Halloween. Artax, Uh, please. I know. Please. Um, oh my God, I need a minute. Go ahead. All right, you're good. You're good. But then we also have Halloween happy hour tomorrow and a Halloween party and then trick or treating with the kids. So, you know, it's you got it all. You is your trick or treating with the kids? Does it resemble mine at all? So we live in the sticks, right? So there's no trick or treating around here. So we have to go to a neighborhood, and we have some uh, friends of friends in this neighborhood. They have a big Halloween party, and then everybody walks around trick or treats with their kids. Now, what the parents do is we have giant tumblers and we drink the whole yes, time. Yes, one hundred percent. Okay, <laughs> so it's not just me. I don't remember like, my mom I and dad live... drinking, taking us around. I don't remember that part. Yeah, we hide it. I live in the suburbs and we have houses on our block. But the issue is, is right over the hill is this like really cute, like kind of bougie town that has a bunch of houses close together. So people like drive to trick or treat there. And my kids, you know, we just walk over. And so it's great trick or treating. We have our tumblers and the town like is like, okay, this is what we do. So not only do they hand out like 
kids size candy, candy bar. But they also hand out adult like <gasps> trick or treating, which is rad. But I remember when the twins were still really little and they were like in a wagon. And like, we're walking around, my husband's walking with like my slightly older daughter and I'm like pulling the wagon of twins. And, um, and I mean, to be, my husband also pulls them. It just happened to be that I was schlepping them at the moment. And, um, I remember somebody yelling out to my husband, like, Hey dad, do you need a beer? And I was like, dude, I am the one pulling the wagon. Like <laughs> dad, think this for a second. Total sexism. Hello. <laughs> All right, again, back to our Halloween here on the show. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, so we asked, you asked for listeners and, and your readers to submit stories, and we do this pretty much every year, uh, and Halloween stories, and then we read a couple of them. There were some long ones this year, and they were too long for the show, but are you posting all of these? How's that working? Yes, I am. So, okay. so we are, I'm actually, as we connected, I am in the process of posting. Okay. So if you want to read some of the winners that we didn't get to today, or any of them, uh, you can just go to horsenation.com and do that. But who, and we're giving away three subscriptions to Ride TV. Now that's nineteen ninety five a month and we're doing annual subscriptions so you can add it up and do the math. So uh, who are the winners this year? So the winners are first is N.A. Sauer, who wrote the Jimmy Hoofer case, and she has been a fairly longtime contributor, um, definitely around Halloween. And, and a lot of times she'll submit a, um, a holiday one as well. Um, and hers are all uh, inspired by her her mini M who she drives. And he has the M&T detective agency. <laughs> um the other is Carrie Garvey, who wrote Dressage by Moonlight. Which you'll and hear then, later. Ashley read that one for us, and you'll hear that one later. Yes. And then the final one is The Family Next Door by Laureen Barton, and it was edited by another longtime um, contributor, Alicia Skye. So Laureen contributes to our show every week, do, reading really bad ads. So, Which, here's the thing, and you guys can judge me for not knowing that automatically. I didn't know that, so... It everything's above board here. <laughs> yes, yes. But J- Jamie, I did not include this. We are Jamie read this one, and she tried her damnedest to read it in Lorene's New Jersey accent. And yes, you, you didn't get very far, did you? I didn't. Well, it was getting embarrassing, and then I thought I was going to take away from the terror. It was of taking the story. away from the story. Yes, it definitely was. Yeah. It was funny, so, Lorene, just know I tried to do it in your Jersey accent, and basically, what you're hearing is Glenn wouldn't let me. <laughs> so, I don't think I could do a Jersey accent if I tried. Oh, Jamie can oh. do it pretty well. Yeah, I was going to say neither can I. <laughs> I was going to say let's let's hear a snippet, Jamie. <laughs> You'll just have to tune okay. in to Fridays to really bad ads. How about I that? And you know, Lorene has a <laughs> she has the quintessential Jersey accent too. She she's yes. I, got, it could be worse. It could which means it could be better. Like I need more from her. I need more <laughs> because I tend to overdo. Okay, carry on. So congratulations to the winners. That's a whole year of ride TV. That's ridiculous. That's awesome. I would have read a story had I known <laughs> under us. And you'll get notified. Ashley will be in touch with all the winners, and we'll get you out your subscriptions over the next week. So thank you, Deanne, for putting this together again. Thank you for stopping by. We're going to start playing the stories. Sure thing. And thank you, as always, for your support. Much appreciated. All right. Take care. Have fun tomorrow. Bye. Thanks. Eat some candy for me. Always. Drink a beer for me. (laughs) 
All right, we're going to get to the first story, and we're going to start with Lorene. I thought that was appropriate, right? Uh, Jamie read this one. I just maybe added a few effects, and let's take a listen to The Family Next Door. The Family Next Door, written by Lorene Barden, edited by Alicia Skye. The old man opened the back door of his farmhouse and started limping towards the red barn. The years of hard work from his rodeo days were taking its toll on his body. The October leaves rustled and crunched under his worn cowboy boots. Billy hurried as fast as he could to the sounds of a horse pacing and moving frantically around his stall. Why do they have to be so loud, grumbled Billy as he pushed open the barn door. Those damn noisy neighbors. Easy, Trigger. Everything's just fine. Only a noisy neighbor, Billy told the horse as he clipped the lead to the halter to walk him out of the stall, just as a head popped over the fence. Billy and Trigger both looked up in surprise as the man seemed to appear from nowhere. Hi there. My name is Ned, and I just moved my family here from the city. I have a young daughter who's never seen a horse. Do you think it would be okay to bring her over? Ned, his wife, and young daughter Shelley moved to the country for some peace and quiet. He had held a very high position in one of the most well-known companies in the world, but gave it all up to spend more time with his family. Billy sighed and looked up at Ned with sadness in his eyes. Sure, bring her around front. The old man slowly walked across the yard, leading Trigger to the gate with almost matching limps, both with their crooked hips and skinny gaunt faces. When Billy opened the gate, the little girl came bouncing into the yard, eyes wide with a giant smile to see a real horse finally. He wasn't sure how Ned had gone to collect her and bring her back so soon. Can I give him a carrot? She asked enthusiastically. Just one. Trigger eyed the carrot and lowered his head to eat some grass instead. His teeth were mostly worn away as old horses' teeth usually were. Ned looked at Billy. Hey, I have an idea. We're going to meet some of the other neighbors tonight. Why don't you bring your horse with you? I don't think that'll work. We have to stay here. Well, we hope to see you around. A few weeks passed and Ned hadn't seen Billy or Trigger since the first meeting. He had taken his daughter to the park to get some fresh air when he saw Billy sitting on a park bench, lead rope in hand, and Trigger slowly grazing on some grass. Trigger raised his head in alarm. Fuzzy brown ears pointed forward. Hey, Billy, I haven't seen you in a couple weeks. I was wondering where you and Trigger have been. Billy slowly looked up at Ned. Oh, we've been here. Nowhere else to go. This is the prettiest horse I've ever seen, Shelly said as she reached to stroke his velvety nose. You should have seen him in his heyday. Billy turns his head towards the young girl. What a superstar of a bronc horse he was. The best the rodeo had ever seen. The next day, Billy was in his house washing his coffee cup in the kitchen sink when he heard noises from the barn again. He looked out of the open window and decided to go check on Trigger. Billy made his way down the dirt path as fast as his aching hips would let him, finding his horse pacing and frantically trying to get out of his stall as if he could climb the walls. It's all right, Trigger, Billy said as he attempted to calm his friend. Ned popped his head over the fence again and the old man jumped, not hearing his neighbor approach. Is everything okay with Trigger? Is he still upset from that lightning storm sometime back? Yep, Billy replied. He'll settle down soon. 
Billy knew once Ned left, Trigger would go back to munching on his hay because the horse only spooks when Ned and his little girl are around. A tear rolled down Billy's face as he watched Ned fade away. Poor guy doesn't even know that he, his wife, and his daughter perished two months ago in that horrible storm, Billy whispered to Trigger. Lightning had knocked a tree over, and the flaming tree landed on the house, fire engulfing almost the entire structure. Tomorrow, a new family would be moving into the rebuilt home. I wonder what'll happen when the new family moves in, Billy thought. Well, our compadre Ashley read the next one. It's a little bit longer, but it's worth it. It's a very good one. It's called Dressage by Moonlight, uh, written by Carrie Garvey, and it's read by our own Ashley. Dressage by Moonlight by Carrie Garvey As Kate's eyes opened and her consciousness slowly returned, she barely held back an involuntary squeak of excitement as she remembered that today was the big day, the day her new horse would be arriving at the barn. She couldn't contain a grin as she pulled on her barn boots. Even though she was in her 30s, she felt like a teenager today. She stepped outside into the crisp, clear morning air. There was a cool undertone to the sunlight streaming through the leaves that were beginning to shift from green to yellow, orange, and red. Fall was finally in the air after months of hot, sticky weather. As she climbed into her aging red pickup truck she nicknamed Henry, she thought to herself what a perfect day it was for her new partner to arrive. Ten minutes later, she pulled into the barn parking lot, a place that was so familiar and had brought her such joy for so many years. She sighed to herself, thinking about her last horse, Prophet, who had sadly passed away a few months ago. They had shared seven perfect years together, and some days it didn't feel real that he was gone. She shook off her melancholy, sure that Prophet would have wanted her to find another partner to love. Change was always hard, but she also knew the complete sense of rightness that having a deep connection with a horse brought her, and today would be the first day of building that connection with her new horse, Rocky. Kate had found Rocky's ad posted online a few weeks ago, and something about his photos just spoke to her. She had scrolled through what felt like hundreds of ads of equally nice-looking horses, but those hadn't sparked any excitement for her. For a while, she thought maybe she just needed more time after losing profit. But after seeing Rocky's ad, Kate had immediately sent a message to his owner inquiring about his asking price so she didn't get her hopes up on a horse that was out of her meager budget. To her shock, he was priced much lower than she expected and was actually under her budget. When did that ever happen? Even with the shipping fee to bring him to her barn in Vermont from several hours north in Canada, she may be even able to afford to get him a decent used saddle. The next day, she drove up to meet Rocky with her friend Monica in tow, both for company and also to be the voice of reason if Rocky wasn't a good fit for her or if there were some red flags. She was not at all surprised that he was exactly what she had been looking for in a horse. 
a gorgeous black 16-hand Cheval Canadian gelding with a long flowing mane and tail and the most friendly and inquisitive personality. She was surprised that Rocky's owner, Jake, was willing to sell such a nice horse. When she asked why he was being sold, Jake just said that Rocky belonged to his daughter and that his daughter didn't ride anymore. Kate's thoughts turned to imagining the two of them cantering across a field of warm hues of the foliage flashed by leaves crunching under Rocky's hooves. She smiled to herself as she walked into the barn. One of her friends was in the barn cleaning the first stall in the aisle. Cindy looked up and smiled at Kate. Big day, huh? Kate grinned at her and replied, yes, they should be here in about a half an hour. While she waited, Kate rechecked Rocky's new stall, making sure he had enough shavings and hay, rehanging his salt lick in a place with easier access, and making sure his water buckets were topped off. She headed back outside to eagerly await Rocky's arrival. She paced around the driveway for the next five minutes, lifting her head every time she heard the crunch of tires approaching on the gravel road to the barn. Finally, she saw a large truck pulling a trailer around the corner. He was finally here! As the driver parked and got down from the truck, she tried to keep her composure, even though the little kid in her was leaping into the air and vibrating with excitement. She exchanged some polite words with the driver, and he assured her that Rocky had loaded up great and traveled like a gentleman the whole way. As he lowered the ramp and went to back him out, Kate's breath caught. He was even more handsome than she remembered when she went to try him a few weeks ago. The driver handed her his lead rope, and she couldn't stop grinning as she led him down to the indoor arena so that he could stretch his legs after the long trip. Her other barn friends, Laura, Anna, Sabrina, Kelly, and Mindy, met her down at the gate. It seems Rocky had already had his own fan club at the barn. Kate beamed as she led him past her friends. She closed the gate to the indoor arena and unclipped his lead. To her surprise, he didn't run off bucking like most horses who had just had a long trailer ride would. Instead, he stayed by her side and gently lipped her jacket. Kate felt her heart mending just a little bit with the touch of his warm lips on her sleeve. The next week passed in a blur. Rocky settled into his new home like a professional, and Kate spent time getting to know him and getting his new tack fit. She spent every evening after work with him for at least an hour or two. Kate also spent a lot of her working time daydreaming about him, finding it hard to focus on her reports when she had a gorgeous new horse to spoil. However, just over a week after he had arrived... The owner of the barn, Paige, sent her a message letting Kate know that Rocky had somehow gotten out of his stall the previous night. He had managed to open the large sliding door to the barn and got into the hayfield across the street. Paige had found him standing in his stall munching hay when she came down from her apartment over the barn that morning with his stall door wide open. She followed the muddy hoofprints out of the barn to see where he had gone. The funny thing, Paige had said, 
was his track showed that he had clearly trotted in 20-meter circles in the field before returning to the barn on his own. Paige hadn't heard anything from her apartment above the barn. Kate thought that was pretty strange and assumed someone had forgotten to latch his door after checking his hay or water the night before. She made a mental note to double-check his door lash before leaving the barn every night and remind Paige to do the same. Rocky wasn't hurt and he was back safe at the barn, so that was the important thing. The next week, Kate and Rocky started their riding partnership. Rocky's previous owner had told her that he hadn't been worked in a few months because his daughter had stopped riding, so she was careful not to overdo things while he was getting back into shape. And, Kate mused to herself, she was also definitely working on her own fitness since she had only ridden a few times since Prophet passed away a few months back. Kate felt such joy even sitting on Rocky's back. There really was a feeling of contentment in just being at home when you sit on the back of your horse, a feeling indescribable to those who haven't had the same experience. As she and Rocky walked down the dirt road next to the barn accompanied by her friend Courtney and her black gelding Cole, a cold breeze blew through the trees, shaking loose some of the colorful leaves from the trees bordering the road and raining them down on the horses. She smiled. It felt like an autumn wonderland. That thought reminded her that Halloween would be here in only another two weeks, and she realized that it was past time to get started on Rocky's costume for the barn's annual Halloween party. How would you go about making a full night's costume for a horse without any sewing ability, she wondered. The answer is usually bailing twine and duct tape, so she would grab a few handfuls of baling twine on her way home that afternoon. Preoccupied with thoughts of horse Halloween costumes, she forgot to double-check Rocky's door latch before she headed out for the night. The following morning, she received another text from Paige. Once again, Rocky had gotten out of his stall and made strangely perfect figures in the hayfield across the street. He had then returned to his stall before Paige got downstairs from her apartment that morning. Kate alternated spending time riding and hanging out with Rocky and working on his Halloween costume for the next few days when she wasn't at work. She was gathering up the costume to take with her to work so she could swing by the barn afterwards to try it on him when she got yet another text from Paige. Rocky had done it again. It was the exact same thing as the previous times, including the strangely regular 20-meter circles in the field and finding him standing happily in his stall in the morning with the door wide open. This time, Kate was absolutely sure she had checked the latch on his door before leaving the night before, and she knew Paige had checked it again before going to bed she decided it may be time to contact his old owner to see if he had any suggestions for keeping Rocky contained. Kate gave Rocky's previous owner a call when she got home that evening after a mostly successful costume fitting. Rocky looked amazing in his somewhat unevenly hemmed night's regalia. As the phone rang, Kate was halfway thinking about what type of Halloween treat she should make for the upcoming spooky barn party when Rocky's old owner, Jake, picked up. 
Kate started the call by letting Jake know that she absolutely loved Rocky and that he was doing great in his new home. Jake seemed happy to hear that Rocky was doing well. When Kate began telling Jake about Rocky's late-night escapades, Jake became very quiet. Thinking that Jake was interpreting her questions as complaints, she quickly reiterated that she was very happy with Rocky and that he shouldn't worry about it. Jake's voice was quiet and a little shaky as he slowly replied, Honestly, I'm not sure how he keeps getting out. He never did that when he lived here. Jake's voice cracked on the last syllable. The uncomfortable silence stretched on, and Kate didn't know what to say in response. Eventually, Jake continued, What I can tell you is that my daughter, Lilith, or Lil as I called her, would work late a lot. He paused again, taking a deep breath and she would come and take Rocky out on clear nights when the moon was out. They would ride out in that field, practicing dressage by the moonlight. He took another deep breath and let it out shakily. Rocky always loved those night rides. They both did. Kate was confused at this point. If Lilith loved riding so much, why did she stop? Jake let out a haggard breath. Lil was killed in a car accident three months ago. I... I just couldn't keep Rocky here after a while. Every night when the moon was shining, I would see him, standing in his stall, staring at the door where Lil would come from in the barn, waiting for her to come take him for a moonlit ride. I thought a change of scenery and a new person to love him would help him out too. It sounds like he still remembers my sweet Lil. Jake's voice broke at that point, and Kate could feel tears start to slip down her own cheeks. I'm so sorry to hear that, Kate choked out. She tried to assure Jake that she would take great care of Rocky for the rest of his life, for him and for Lil. She was sniffing back tears as she and Jake said their goodbyes. A few days later, the moon was shining bright. The fall wind had left a bite in the air as she finished up at the barn earlier that day. Even though it was late, Kate couldn't sleep. She had been thinking about poor Lil, Jake, and Rocky since he told her what had happened. She pulled on a heavy sweatshirt and her barn boots over her pajamas, grabbing her keys as she headed out the door. She drove to the barn in the quiet of the night, listening to the truck's tires crunch on the fallen leaves along the empty country roads. When she pulled into the parking lot, she took a few minutes to just sit quietly and collect herself. She was just about to reach for the door handle of her truck when she saw Rocky walking calmly out the barn door, the door that she hadn't realized has been open when she pulled in. Kate sat mesmerized, as he walked across the street into the field. He began walking in circles and even doing some leg heels completely by himself. Kate was torn between staring and wondering and wanting to go catch him to make sure nothing bad happened to him. She had just decided to go get him when he picked up a perfect trot and began making 20-meter circles and changing direction like they did when they were doing a dressage lesson. 
She sat in her truck, her mouth hanging open, watching Rocky go through an entire normal schooling ride completely by himself for at least a half hour. Every once in a while, she could have sworn she saw the moon glint off of an ethereal figure on his back. Maybe he wasn't completely alone after all. The End The PhD equine nutritionists at Purina Animal Nutrition tackle problems using science, and their love of horses keeps them at it until they get it right. Even with the most established feeds, they keep innovating. Even when it takes years of research, they don't stop until it's right. They are dedicated to the scientific method, but it can't capture the feeling of seeing a horse reach their full potential. It takes science and love to help your horses live their best life. Put their research to the test at horseinnovation.com. So a number of years ago, Helene and I talked to author Gail Stewart, who's a history nut, and we wanted to know the story of the Headless Horseman and how that came to be, because you always see it at Halloween, right? And we thought, and and, you know, how many people dress up as, how many horse people dress up as a Headless Horseman for Halloween? Almost all of them at one point or another. So we thought, what is the real story of the Headless Horseman? And we got to catch up with Gail. This was from, from years ago, but she did a great job telling the story of the Headless Horseman and where that came from. Oh, we have to talk to Gail Stewart, who joins us once a month. She wrote the book, Horses in History, and she's stopping by with her monthly history segment, this time on Something Spooky. Well, hi, Gail. Welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for having me on Stable Scoop. I'm so excited that you're going to be here again because I love the horses and history stuff. I love history in general, but then you throw in horses, it's even better. And I am at, I'm at, opened your book, 100 Horses in History to page 34. So tell us what I'm going to, what we're going to talk about today. Okay. Well, that chapter is called Movies, Music, and Timeless Tales. And one of the scariest of all, of all Halloween stories is the tale of the Headless Horseman. And he is the main, the Headless Horseman is the main character in a short story written by Washington Irving in 1820. So it's a very, very old story. Um, the story takes place in the early 1800s in a little town, farming town of Terrytown, New York. It's um, inhabited primarily by Dutch settlers. It's along the Hudson River, and it's a very uh, fertile, bountiful farming community. Well, um, about two miles from Terrytown is a sleepy little place called Sleepy Hollow. It's a quiet glen. And the author, Washington Irving, said it was the quietest place on earth. It was surrounded by tall trees and a a little brook trickled through it. And old-timers and villagers all believed it was haunted and that it was bewitched and they could hear stories told about hearing um, voices and singing coming from that glen, the Sleepy Hollow Glen. And they believed uh, it was full of ghouls and goblins and one particularly scary apparition called the Headless Horseman. Mm. And the Headless Horseman, according to legend, was actually a soldier from the American Revolution who lost his head due to a cannonball during, uh, during battle. And so at night, he would leave the graveyard over by the old Dutch church and he would mount his ghost horse and ride all through Sleepy Hollow looking for his head. 
And that's how that story started. <laughs> but he's always tried to be, he had to be back to the graveyard by daybreak, which is behind the old Dutch church. Well, okay, fast forward, and here we have two people living in in Terrytown, two very different men. One was a singing schoolmaster named Ichabod Crane, and the other was a burly bruiser of a man named Brom Bones, and he was known as a practical joker, and uh, he rode a big horse named Daredevil, a big black fiery horse named Daredevil, and only Brom Bones could ride him. He was so difficult to handle. Well, also in town was a prominent farmer named uh, Mr. Van Tassel, and Mr. and Mrs. Van Tassel had one child, a, a beautiful 18-year-old named Katrina, and Katrina was an only child who would one day inherit these wonderful, wonderful house and the wonderful farm. And so Brom Bones and Ichabod Crane both thought she would make a nice wife, and so they set out to woo her. Well, the story continues and really unfolds during the season of harvest and Halloween. Um, It was a beautiful autumnal evening, and the Van Tassels are giving a harvest party. And both Brom Bones and Ichabon Crane are are invited, and because they know it's a chance to visit and woo Miss Van Tassel. Well, for the trip from Terrytown, Ichabod had to borrow a horse named. He was named Gunpowder. He was a broken down old one eyed plow horse, who the author said had lived outlived everything but his viciousness. <laughs> We've all known that horse. <laughs> yes, and he was a cranky old horse. And poor Ichabod, he was a very poor horseman, and the motion of his arms was not unlike the flapping of a pair of wings. But he, he got dressed up in the best that he had to go to this party. And uh, on the way to the party, he's riding a gold gunpowder, and he passes the Van Tassel fields, and they're, they're ripe, and they're full of apple trees trees and Indian corn and pumpkins, and he begins to think more and more how nice it would be to marry Katrina. Well, they get to the party, and um, Daredevil and Gunpowder are tied up outside the Van Tassel house, and Brom Bones and Ichabod Crane are in the house. They're enjoying the beautiful parties, a roaring fire and a banquet banquet tables full of food and a cornucopia of breads and meats and fruits, and they're having a lovely time. Well, when Katrina dances with Ichabod, it sends Brombos into a fit of jealousy. And we don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, Ichabod Crane leaves the party, and he's downcast, and he's sad, and so he gets on gunpowder and starts for home. And it's a dark night. There are no no stars out, and there's no moonlight, and he has to pass through Sleepy Hollow to get to his home. And so he gets on cranky old gunpowder and and trots off, and it is called the very witching time of night. And he enters the spooky glen, and he's trying to quell his fears, so he starts to whistle. And he he looks off to the left, into the trees, and he, he senses something watching him. And he sees a a shape, a huge misshapen shape, black and towering. And he senses it and looks, it seems to be a horse. 
And then and it's about to pounce on him. And then he sees the rider, who's gigantic in height, muffled by a cloak, and the head is carried on the pommel of the saddle. Well, now he begins to sing. And <laughs> so he trots through, <laughs> starts tropping through Sleepy Hollow, trying to outrun this apparition. And the apparition, the horse, comes up beside him. And then he goes, and then Ichabod trots gunpowder faster. And the, the, the ghost is right next to him. And then, he, then the Ichabod stops. And the, the horse, the headless horseman stops. And he can't outrun him. He can't get away from him. Every time he moves, the headless horseman moves with him. So now he's really scared to death. And so, so he and for some reason, gunpowder suddenly gets the urge to to run. So they're running down the road, trying to get to the bridge because legend says that if you can get to the bridge by the old uh, graveyard, which is by the church, you can uh, outrun the headless horseman because he will vanish in a flash of fire. And so they go along, and um, they're almost at the bridge. And suddenly, gunpowder veers to the left, and he he will, he runs into brambles, and then he comes back onto the road, and and um, sparks are flying, stones are flying, Ichabod's clothes, baggy clothes are flapping in the wind, and here comes the headless horseman right on his in hot pursuit, and Ichabod can hear him blowing and snorting the horse blowing and snorting, and he can even feel the horse's hot breath on his neck. So he tries, So he somehow manages to get gunpowder back towards the bridge, and then to make matters worse, the saddle starts to slip off, and then it slips and slips, and finally it comes completely off, and poor old Ichabod is hanging onto this horse's neck for dear life, and at the last second, right before the headless horseman reaches him, he manages to kick one last convulsive kick and gunpowder leaps onto the bridge and Ichabod turns around to look at the headless horseman one more time and he sees it rise in the stirrups and throw his head at him and that head hits Ichabod in the head and Ichabod goes flying into the dust and so there you go. They, Ichabod is on the in the dirt, and according to the author, the uh, headless horseman and gunpowder rush past him in a whirlwind. Well, the next day, gunpowder is found at his owner's gate, happily grazing grass, and on the bridge are Ichabod's hat and a smashed pumpkin. And so you never really see you never see Ichabod back in town again. He disappears forever. He goes someplace else. And um, Brom Bones is successful in wooing Katrina, and he marries her. And then he decide he um, is always seen chuckling and laughing as if he has a secret of his own. When when the story is retold of the headless horseman and Ichabod Crane and the smashed pumpkin. And that's the story of the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Jeez, you had me on suspense there. And they <laughs> named their firstborn child Ichabod. No, that didn't happen. But it <laughs> I could, don't know it would have been that. a good end to the story, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, but, but Brom Bones, we just wonder what he had to do with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's the story. That's the story, it, the legend of Sleepy Hollow. So I guess... 
if we actually book somebody from that movie, I got to watch it. Uh, you need to watch it anyway. I'm offended that you haven't watched it after all the talk I've done about it. It's like such a beautiful romance love story. That there makes me not want to watch it right there. Beautiful romance yeah, but love story. Like, but also there's like fighting and there's brawls and there's wild horses and like it's all, it's all the things, Glenn. Yeah, but all Ch- the Chad has admitted that you've watched it a thousand times and he's never made it the whole way through. Um, I well, that's because I, he's gone a lot. And what do you think I watch when he's not here? <laughs> and equally as awesome is Return to Snowy River, as different as it is. The riding, the riding in these movies is what it's all about. I mean, for horse chicks listening, the the t- spectacular riding. Is this the and one where he rides down the mountain? Yourself. Yes. Why do I? I I, yes. I know that because there's pictures of that everywhere. It's awesome. Uh, I'm I'm done talking about it. You've disappointed me. <laughs> Auditors, hold on. We'll talk about more disappointment in the question first world problems in the Auditor Post Show. Uh, We're going to play today's show out. By the way, oh, coming up this week, we have a... uh, we have a lot of different episodes. Tomorrow will be dark, but uh, coming up on Thursday, we'll have Mary Kitzmiller for you with her training episode. She just competed over the weekend and came in second in the competition. So I'm sure she'll be talking about that with Jennifer on Thursday's show. And then Jamie and I will be here Wednesday. And are you here Friday? Yes. No. Uh, no, no, I'm in Vegas. No, that's right. I'm going Ashley to see and... you too in Vegas. Oh, that's right. Ashley and I will be here on Friday. Uh, and we have a special Friday plan for you this week. Uh, in addition to really bad ads, we'll be talking to auditors who make stuff. We do this every year too, who make custom stuff that you can buy uh, for Christmas for gifts. So we like to support our community, and a way of doing that is getting our listeners on that do crafty stuff, and we'll help support them. Uh, I, l- I know we did this for Jessica, what, Jessica Troop last year with her art, and she ended up so busy, I think she regretted doing it. Uh, but we're going to do that with a couple of auditors on Friday, so you can look for some gifts on Friday's show. But we're going to close out today's show with Kristen Bentley. Uh, Kristen did this one a few years ago. It's pretty short. Uh, It was a poem, and I think it's appropriate to end the Halloween show with this particular one. This spooky story is called The X Racehorse, and it is written by Horse Nation reader Paige Cerulli. It is written in the same meter as Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. Once, in a bleak, cold November of snow squalls, I well remember... My rider arrived one day with my saddle at my stable door. While I munched hay nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping of those boot spurs gently rapping, rapping on the stable floor. "'Tis a mistake,' I muttered. "'Must be headed for some other door. Only this, but there was more.'" Uncertain that my rider realized this wouldn't be a ride idealized, I squealed and spun and stomped my hooves in athletic feats not seen before. I tried to warn her of her error and of the impending terror. Thanks to the horrific weather, we'd had no turnout in a week or more. Ancy-pancy anxious horses with no turnout in a week or more, but still she stood at my stall door. On went my saddle and my bridle, the girl not happy to be idle, was fully unaware the dangers that her confident nature bore. She led me to that ring of horrors, she couldn't see what's in those corners, in those dark creepy corners filled with horse-eating beasts not seen before. These ghastly savage horse-eating monsters no humans ever seen before, but I am wiser, I know more. 
She mounted up, I was sweating, pod to show her I was fretting. Fretting at the prospect of the doom I felt within my core. And then I heard it, cracking, sliding, a chunk of snow ice swiftly gliding off the roof and landing with a thud against the arena door. It lurked and taunted us from where it sat by the arena door, and I knew it would just bring more. Cracking ice above, accenting every footfall I was getting, more and more on edge with every trip by that arena door. As the shadows did their dancing, I couldn't help it, I was prancing. Prancing when I first caught sight of light through that arena door. It laid there, beam of sunlight cast before my hooves upon the floor. I simply couldn't take it much more. I shied and jumped. My rider soothed me, but her dismissal just confused me. How could she miss the molten lava upon that arena floor? She pushed me on. I tried to listen, but that light continued to glisten. As she reached back to pull my sheet to leave upon that cursed door, the static from the quarter sheet upon my rump I can't ignore. You're fine, calm down, but there was more. The door it opened, and through it entered a fuzzy mini. On its back, centered a little squealing child delighted. Along the ring the duo tore. I tried to watch them as my rider, feeling me tense, drew her reins tighter. Tight against my mouth until I couldn't take it anymore. I spun and stared, and still there's more. Pony, said I, the thing of evil, barely equine, more the devil. The little creature pranced and snorted. Tip-tap hooves upon the floor. Then the evil creature farted, and the whipping wind it started, moaning through the edges of that cursed far arena door, accenting the sound of pony farts that I abhor. You're fine, calm down. I'm fine no more. So I leaped in fits of terror, and my rider saw her error, saw it from eight feet above that suddenly solid arena floor. In the damp dirt there she landed, and I took off as I had planned it, bucking, squealing, cursing devil ponies and that evil door. Ride me again on a winter day and tempt fate with that cursed door, quoth my rider, nevermore.